Today we're going to end off with our series uh, called Off to Work We Go. I had the most classic response in the 9 a.m. service. They're like, when we started this series, everyone was like, what? We're talking about work in church? <laughs> Is this supposed to be fun? I know. Um, but as you'll see, when we adopt God's ideas for, for work, for our work lives, work takes on a completely different nature. And I'm hoping that through, to, through this message series, and if you missed the first two, you're really going to have to go listen to them because you won't completely see the full picture um, of everything the Bible has to say about our work um, if you, if you, if you kind of don't. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a qu- quick recap of the previous ones just to segue into today's message about work, right? So I really know about what we've, what we've t- taught and what we've seen is that the Bible teaches a kind of work understanding, a mindset, a perspective, and a work ethic that transcends culture and it transcends generations. In other words, it doesn't matter how your generation thinks about work or thought about work, that the Bible teaches something that applies to every generation when it comes to our work. And our work in every generation is different. In certain generations, our work is preparing for one day working. That's when we're in school and that's when we're studying. And then in other generations, we're actually working for the work, sometimes just casually, but sometimes we're heading into a career. And then sometimes that might mean we come to the end of our normal adult work life and we've kind of retired. And now work means something different for us. How many of you, after you retired, you became more busy? All right. <laughs> there are some over here. So this also applies to us if we've retired because our purpose never retires. Okay. Our purpose doesn't end. No matter what our kind of work life happens, our purpose never ends. It starts from the very beginning. God creates you with a purpose and he wants you to discover that purpose more and more over time. But the earlier you get into it, the more meaningful your work life will be. The more meaningful every season of your life will be. Um, And then it continues after you may stop working necessarily for a paycheck or or, or as such view of retirement, but you got to go and listen to message number two, where I talk about that a little bit. Um, But let me quickly recap what we've covered. In the first message, we spoke about work being worship, work being worship. The Bible talks about our work being worship unto the Lord. And uh, um, in that message, we spoke about three things. Number one, work is a gift from God. It's a present that he wants us to unwrap and see all the good things that he has made available to us inside of it. The second one is work is a protection from temptation. When you are productive in the kingdom of God, doing what he has called you to do, it keeps you out of nonsense. I wonder if you can agree with that. Number three, work is also God's primary meat primary means of provision for us. And um, and then the second sermon, we talked about work being service in that it's a service unto God. God has placed a mandate on humanity to work. Did y'all know that work did not originate out of the curse? Work existed before the curse. God made work a natural and normal design of life. God wants us to work. But he does not want us to necessarily work with ideas in mind that we may have been made accustomed to. He has a mission for mankind. And that mission 
requires us to serve one another, to work for one another, to provide services, products for one another that help us all develop and increase and improve and display what he has put on the inside of us. His image as a creator should be displayed through us in work. And as we do that with the right mindset and attitude, our work becomes an expression of the identity that God, the God-given identity that God had placed on the inside of us. And so it can be a partnership with God, but it could also be um, a portion that we give to people around us out of our work. Business people understand this. They see a gap in the market and they create a product or a service and they insert it in there as a benefit to society. We don't often see that if we're just employees, right? We have to think a little deeper how our service, the contracting of our time for a specific task plays into that as well. And so I really encourage you guys to go and listen to those messages because they will be a blessing to you Monday morning when you wake up and you want to say, oh my God, the weekend's done. Instead, be able to say, thank God it's Monday. I get to go and engage God's plan for my life. Amen. Today, we're going to talk about work being a mission, work being our mission. First off, it is our mission as individuals to fulfill the call that God has placed on our life. And second, it is the mission that Jesus started that needs to be continued through us, through our work. Last week, we spoke about work itself. Not just being a Christian at work, but that our actual work values matters to God. The specific thing that we do matters to God, and He finds that important. Today, we're going to talk more about what I do and how I am at my work. And in that, we're going to see our purpose being fulfilled. And we're going to see how it is a proclamation of Jesus Christ for people that needs to get saved. So let's jump right into work being a purpose fulfilled. My, your and my mission for why God has sent us here. So we have to understand that our work, the physical work that we do, that is not that is not cover all of our purpose. It's a small part of our purpose. And really, it's actually the context within which our purpose gets to play out. In other words, you can change jobs and live out the same purpose. You can change jobs and live out the same purpose. You can change jobs radically. You can go from teaching to manufacturing and live out the same purpose. Because purpose is not... Dependent on your job and workplace, it is dependent on who you understand yourself to be and what God has made you to add to other people. Somebody said it this way, its purpose is not what you do, it's what happens in another person when you are with them. What effect do you have on other people? That is a clue as to what is your purpose. How do you help people? How do you, what type of portion do you add to people? All of these things are little clues. And I, I do life coaching somewhere, you know, between everything else. And what I love to do is help to take people through a process of understanding what their purpose is so that they don't get thrown every time they have to change jobs and figure out, okay, who am I now? How many of you have connected your identity to your job? Our identity goes beyond just our jobs. And so we don't have to be like chameleons that when I put my hand on this square that's blue, now all of a sudden I want to be blue. And then I put my square on another, you know, hand on another square and it's red. And now I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, am I red, blue or am I purple? 
No, we have identity based on what God has called us to do, who he has made us to be. And no matter where I am, I live that out. So I do not need an environment to tell me what my purpose is. I live out my purpose within whatever environment I am placed. And so you don't have to change jobs right now. All you need to do is connect with your God-given purpose and start living that where you are. That will add a lot of what we're talking about to your life, the significance, the fulfillment, the satisfaction that comes from living your purpose in the very job that you find yourself right now in, be it as mundane as it might be. Or you might find out that, oh my goodness, I still have purpose. Your purpose don't expire. It only expires when you expire. And so if you find yourself right now in a space where you don't feel very purposeful, It's because you're waiting for your environment to tell you what you need to do instead of doing what you're called to do within the environment that you find yourself in. And that is a revelation that you need to pursue in Christ, that what, what you need to pursue to find out who, what works that he create for you to do and keep on doing that no matter how old you become one day. So listen to this statement. If life was theater and we the actors, then work is one of the three major sets that our play is performed in. Family and church being the other two. So there's these three almost areas of life that our lives transpires in. Family, church, and work. Right? And, and, and God wants you to live out your purpose, by the way, probably much of the same purpose in every part, every one of these three parts. Now, historically, the church, I believe, has done a good job at helping people see purpose in family and, and how we are to live out our purpose in, you know, training our kids in, in the Lord and, and helping them to see, you know, um, their identity as Christians. And, 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 and also the church has made some good strides towards helping people find their identity and purpose in the stage of church life, you know, and so people would be invited to come and be a part of the organization in in some voluntary capacity where they get to live out their gifts and their passions in a form to serve their fellow believers here. But I think what sometimes we miss out on is the actual fact that our purpose can only be fully played out if we include our work life in it. Our purpose transcends family, transcends church. It has to also go out into church. In fact, into into the world, into our workspace. In fact, I believe there's a part of our Christian maturity that cannot happen until we get outside of this room and we start living what we believe here, out there. There's a part of our growth that remains wanting until we engage the world outside of this environment with our convictions and with our beliefs. And God is calling us to maturity. God wants us to grow to that full image, that full measure that of the one that lives on the inside of us. But it can only happen when we start combining this with the outside world. And so many times we've even been taught that that shouldn't even happen, that we should separate our faith from our work life, right? And that is just completely unbiblical, God wants you to be the same individual no matter where you are. And since we're at work, probably I would say eight out of six out of the 10 hours of our lives, we better understand who we are and live that out at our workplace. Otherwise, we're going to be confused um, and, and experience many frustrations at work and even maybe experience work as a curse. <laughs> and uh, it's not meant to be that. So 
God truly has a purpose for every person here today. We've established that fact. And we've also established the fact that every purpose has work. Every purpose has work. You're not going to achieve a goal without putting in work. I, th- I, th- I think sports guys know that. If you, want to, if, you, if you want to achieve something, you've got to put in the work. If you don't, if you slack, I mean, you just, you'll feel it on the field. Somebody's going to be completely way more advanced than you are because you have not put in the work. And I, I think we've been kind of like, you know, we've been lulled into this false sense of, of comfort that, hey, you know, Christians are meant to just get everything by default and we're not, we, don't, we won't have to work for it. I think there's a big mismatch between what God has created this world to be and to operate and that mentality. But at the same time, I also know that God did not mean for our work life to be a punishment, right? The old Greeks believed that the gods invented work to punish man because they, were, you know, they, they hated man, right? We can't live with that Greek mentality. We have to understand that the Christian God created work to be a blessing, to be a gift, to be something that we are, are added to with. And so how do, we make, how do we make that a reality in our lives? Well, the first part comes from really understanding the works that God has called us to do. In Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And these good works is not just I am nice to people. Or I am, you know, praying for people or I, you know, I clean somebody's house or, or stuff like that. I'm talking about on a voluntary capacity because I was nice. Not if that's your employment, then good. You're also doing good works because God created us to work to the benefit of our fellow man. My expertise ends up being a service to you who want to achieve a specific goal. My dad's an estimator and a project manager, so his expertise helps people realize the dream of having a house or a, a hotel or a something built, right? His service adds benefit, and so does your services. You're a building contractor, Corey. That's how you serve your fellow man. God created you to do practical things like that. He's about to make some shifts in his life, but that's also a part of his, his purpose, creating creative things that are adding nice benefits to people's lives. And so all of these good works that God created us to do, he also prepared in advance that we would walk in them. So he would give, give us opportunities to walk into op- to places where I need to work these good works out. And so Tom- Thomas Edison said um, that opportunity is often missed because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like work. So when something looks like work, it's probably God. And you're probably designed to be able to provide the necessary either skill or service or product that is required for that work if it's something that you're looking into doing. But we cannot look at our work lives and go, oh, you know, this is just a necessary evil. I'm just doing this to pay the bills. Because in that type of life, there is, a, there is just no joy and there is no peace in that all, all kind of things will overcome you, okay? So God has designed us to work. He has designed us to, um, for good works, and he has designed opportunities that you and I will be able to walk into. Let us not miss those opportunities when they come around because they are going to require work. 
And so sometimes you go and you say, but I'm retired. Listen, there's going to be opportunities where you can do things for people in retirement that you could never do for them, not in retirement. Don't miss those opportunities because God also created them for you to step into and to do the good works that he has called you and purposed you to do in that season of your life. So here's another thing about that is um, that to see and connect our work with this mindset makes it possible for us to be fulfilled even sometimes in the most mundane of work environments, right? And because I am not dependent on my environment to give me peace and joy, I am getting peace and joy from living out the purpose that I've been called to do. It doesn't really matter the environment that I'm in. I can still get joy and peace and fulfillment from it. Doesn't matter. doesn't mean that I shouldn't look for other opportunities. It just means that I'm not dependent on my internal environment for that satisfaction. I get that from living out my design, living out who I'm called to be. And, and, and some people would, would, you know, would be saying like, man, if I can just make more money. Listen, money is probably one of the worst satisfiers in, 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 in work. We spoke about this the other day. How much is enough? Nothing is ever enough. The minute you get the raise, all of a sudden you find out that that is also not enough. Money is never going to be the answer for getting to this place of personal satisfaction and joy in your work. But adopting the biblical mindsets of it is. And so that's why we're getting into the nitty gritty and talking about how do we get to that place. So again, today we're talking about work being mission and my purpose, living out my purpose, giving me that sense of mission, that sense of significance, no matter what place I am working at currently. There's this old adage that I'm sure many of you all have heard, but it makes a point. A man came across three workers cutting stones from a quarry, and he asked them what they were doing. One replied, I'm cutting stones. The others said, well, I'm earning money. This is, my, this is the way I, 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 I earn money. And the third answered, no, we're building a cathedral. So he had a completely different approach to the mundane task in front of him. He connected it to something that was way higher than, you know, the seemingly <laughs> reality that was in front of him that he was doing. And I think that that is so important for us to be able to see, okay, good, you know what, I am here and maybe, you know, my work involves this one task that I need to do repetitively. But if I can see that this repetitive task actually contributes to the achievement of a, of a greater goal and I'm contributing toward that, it, it brings back significance to the, to the meaninglessness of the task at hand. And it helps me to then look beyond what I am doing and ask, how is this adding value? And how can I continue to add more value through now the kingdom relationships that I'm starting to see possible around me? Because I'm not walking around with this inferiority about these tasks that I'm doing. I'm actually wide awake and open to actually see the opportunities that God is creating in my environment to live out my purpose. And in so doing, add a portion to people, encourage other people through what I am doing. So here's, here's another aspect of this point of view that I want to add. And it relates to this cathedral story. 
You know, this, it's, it's one thing to see you building a cathedral, but it's a completely other thing back in the day when cathedrals still had real worship services going on in them to understand that you're actually creating a place where people will connect with God. You're setting up a facility that will, that will create God encounters. You know, when we remodeled this building, uh, you can walk around the building and see the lines on the floors and all of those were little cubicles where we had to break down internal walls to create open spaces for this to become a place of worship. When we were breaking down those things and we were covered in dust and all of us had asthma for a season because we didn't put all these masks and things on because we're stupid because we don't do this you know, professionally. We didn't realize all those fine dust will get into our lungs. Um, we were doing all that with the joy in mind of this of having a place where we can come together, consider the words of God, and see how can we apply that to our lives. We were doing that with the joy of knowing one day we're going to come to church and we're not going to set up a stage and set up sound and set up lights and set up everything. We're going to switch everything on. It's going to be there already. We were doing that with a completely different mindset than a normal guy that comes into a work in a place and he has to you know, just knock down walls and fix ceilings. It motivated us to work. And some, me and my team at times, we worked here until 1 a.m. In, in the mornings to be able to complete this project. But we did that with the joy of the Lord in our hearts, knowing that this place was one day going to facilitate God encounters where people will be able to fall on their knees and worship the King of Kings. That's the, that's the, and I didn't get any extra, nor did anybody else here who contributed to this project get any extra income Paint. No, we didn't pay any of us who was working after hours painting the walls and, you know, fixing ceilings and everything. Here and there we had outside contractors whom we paid. But when it came to us, our labor, this was all us doing it for what? For the purpose of seeing this space turn into a place of worship. And so it's, it's funny how motivation hits you when you're able to connect what you do with a far greater purpose. It's funny what you're willing to sacrifice, what you're willing to give, instead of just stepping into a place right at the minute that you need to be there, do just a bare minimum of what you need to be and check it out quickly because you hate being there. How many of us may be treating our work life like that? Just wanting to do the bare minimum just to get by and just to get out. There is no joy in that. And what there isn't either is there is no mission in it. There's no satisfaction in it. And you're going to find it very, very hard to live as a kingdom individual, live out the, the mission that Jesus has for you in that place. So our motivation from work comes really through seeing beyond the immediate tasks to the higher purpose that there is, um, that there is for it. So have you ever read the story of Joseph in the Bible? Joseph was the guy who uh, was one of 12 sons and his brothers became uh, jealous of him because he had these grand plans and they sold him into slavery. Joseph had a dream. How many of you have a dream for your life? If you don't have a dream for your life, man, go to God in prayer and ask him to show you something that you want to produce through your life, that he wants you to produce through your life. It's a part of that passion. You know, passion is something that you're willing to suffer for. It's something that you're willing to sacrifice for. God has a dream for every single person here that he wants you to achieve. Joseph had a dream, but his dream scared his brothers, so they sold him into slavery. You know what's amazing? Joseph kept living according to that dream, no matter where he was. 
What I find interesting about Joseph's story is he never went into a victim mentality. He never tried to prove that he was done wrong in order for it to be made right. He just got busy doing what he was called to do in whatever circumstance life threw him in. And eventually that made him pop back up to the top. Every single time when he would be dealt a blow, instead of crying foul and instead of crying injustice, what he would do is he would stick his hand in the mud and start working. And as he was working, things started changing around him. Favor would get to him. He would get promoted. And eventually it led to him fulfilling the destiny and the great dream that God had planned for him all along without him having to fight any human for it without him having to, um, to get back or have revenge on anybody who had wronged him. And that's something for us as Christians to note, because so often we want to just go like, hey, you know, this is unfair, and this shouldn't have happened, and this has to be fixed for me. But God has made a way for you out of every trouble you find yourself in. And that way is locked up in your purpose, and understanding that and living according it will make you pop back up no matter what life has thrown at you. And it's so important that we understand that God's blessing for this of our, of our lives, it's a protection, it's a gift, it's something that's going to make us thrive if we can lock into it, if we can get in on it. And then I think what we see in, 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 uh, um, in this, a key here is that connection with the, the, the beyond. That connection with something that's more important than what I'm actually doing here that motivates me. But the second part of it is to actually have the discipline to actualize it. The discipline to get down dirty and do it. Um, there were days that I was hurting so, so bad from all the manual labor that I'm not used to doing here <laughs> that I would just, I just wished I could just skip a day, but we were on such a, a schedule to get done that oh, you would just, you would just discipline yourself. Just go and show up. Just start, just pick up the shovel. Just Pick up something. And before you knew it, you were into it again and you started working. And, and it's, it's amazing how when you are connected to that, that higher purpose, how the motivation reaches you and how you're able to discipline yourself. But there's something about discipline that, that, is, that is difficult to reach if you don't have proper motivation. If you don't have proper motivation. And for some, success is motivation. But... After a while, success becomes boring, and they need something bigger than that. They need significance. And significance comes from seeing your work as a mission for God and, and a place where your purpose needs to be lived out. Jim Carrey said this, I wish everybody could get rich and famous to see that that's not the answer. <laughs> and, and, and I know some of you go like, yeah, yeah, I would love to give that a try. I would like to prove it. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's probably not going to be that way. So best get into God's purpose so that you can find joy in what you're doing now. You can find fulfillment in what you're doing now and see the greater picture that he has made available for you that you can enjoy and you can have fulfillment in. Um, so there's a scripture verse in 2 Corinthians 4 that says this, verse 17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are, uh, that are seen are transient, they're temporal, but the things that are seen are, sorry, that are unseen are eternal. And I know this means more, you know, uh, uh, it, it, it relates more to our eternal 
reward and, and uh, in heaven one day and eternal life. But I believe the principle can be a- applied to our work life as well. That if we will connect our work life to the things that are unseen, the things that are, that are, that are eternal, th- to see our work life as having a contribution to God's mission that he has for us as humanity, but also for us spiritually, because there's those two, that we will be able to find satisfaction in what we're doing, even though it might be somewhat mundane things that we have to do every single day. So have you ever connected your work life to a greater goal? And if you, if you still struggle to, to, to connect your, your actual work to it, I really want to encourage you to go listen to, 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 to message number two. Because it talks about why our physical work matters to God and how it contributes to the greater goal. But that is a key for us to do if we're going to find that significance and find that joy in this mission that God has given us. And the motivation. Colossians 3.22 says there's bond servants. And in today's world, we'll just talk about employees. Obey everything those who are Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, managers, leaders, not by way of eye service, but by, or as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. It puts what we do at our normal places of work into a perspective that this is worship. I'm not, yes, I'm doing this because my manager told me to do it, and I'm doing it the way he wants me to do it, but I'm not, the reason why I'm doing it that way is not to just please him. I'm doing it to please the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily, ask for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, uh, because you are serving the Lord Christ. Our work truly is that service unto the Lord, but, um, Inadvertently, it serves God if our hearts are so to do it, to do it so. Um, when you do work that way, your work goes be your work steps out of a place of just being a secular activity. Your work becomes holy. Your actual work becomes holy because it becomes a sacrifice. It becomes an offering that you're making to the Lord. So the question is: Is the way you're working Worthy of being a sacrifice to the Lord. Is that something you will come and present to him and say, here God, I did this for you. A little introspection needed here. It's like, is the standard at which I'm doing it, is the quality that I'm producing, is the attitude and the heart with which I'm doing it, is that going to be something that I want to present to God as an offering, as worship? And that all the more just makes me want to go and say, how am I doing and how am I acting and how am I producing at my work? And that's why I believe Christians are called to be different even at our workplaces, even in our businesses. We're supposed to stand out as people of excellence, people that do things the right way for the right reasons at the right times and not be people that are Constantly having to be corrected, constantly having to be, you know, come along, let's get the job done. Because I think that that actually hurts our, our testimony. And we'll talk about that in a second. If our work is purpose fulfilled, right, then 
it brings the motivation for us to be excellent at our works, at our workplaces. And here's what the Bible says about those who do not kind of like slack off or, you know, slapdash at work. Proverbs 13, 14 says, The sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully desired. The desires of the diligent are fully desired. There's something about being diligent at the job that God has entrusted you with now that speaks to your worship to Him. And I want to talk quickly about some frustrations we might experience at work if we do not connect our purpose with our work. If you don't connect your purpose with your work, then you're literally doing your job just because you have to, not because you want to. And man, I wish we can be a body of people who do our work because it, we want to do it. Because it gives us that place of service, that place of mission, that place of worship and joy toward our fellow humanity, right? But if you don't connect your purpose into it, very often you might have, you know, a season where you have a fun job, but that might end. And then you have a season where you're having a really crappy job um, and your well-being will be connected to your external environment. And here's the, the problem with that is that over the course of time, you're, if you have a dream that your hope will be fulfilled through your work place, then that, those dreams fall by the wayside because oftentimes you have to sacrifice them just to survive at your work. You can't think of what do I dream about because you just have to you know, focus on surviving in this environment that you find yourself in right now. Well, no matter how hard your environment is, if you live with your purpose in mind, there can still be significance within that season. But man, if you don't have purpose, then that season just becomes utterly confusing and super destructive to you. And your dreams go unfulfilled. It's a frustration. And Proverbs 13 verse 12 of that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I know so many people are depressed and anxious about their work because they have not connected their purpose into their work. They don't know why they're there. They ask God questions. Why am I here? And every day is just, it's just a flip a coin how this day is going to go. Is it going to be completely horrid or is it going to be manageable? And God does not want that for you in your workplace. And that is why he has called you to do certain things that will always bring you life if you apply those things in every single place that you're working. It says, but a desire, um, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. A desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So as you start seeing, man, I get to do things that I'm good at, that I'm passionate about, that I can see that I'm having a positive effect on people around me. I get recognized for those things. Plus, I get income from it. If you start living in that space, man, that's a tree of life. That brings refreshing to your soul. That makes you feel great. That's what God wants for us. Second frustration we experience if we are not walking in our purpose is comparison and jealousy. Because you don't understand who you are and what God has portioned to you and you have no contentment in doing that, then everybody else that's prospering becomes something that you're, you're loathing. If, somebody, if it goes well with another person, you go like, starts mumbling and grumbling because they're so happy and you're not. How many of you have experienced that at your workplaces? You know, Proverbs 14 says, A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. How many of you have been bone tired? I'm so tired, I have nothing more to give. You get to that place when there is nothing 
that you're doing that's refreshing to your soul. But the Bible says he refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You cannot walk in your purpose and never get refreshing. Yes, it might be hard. Yes, it might be challenging. Yes, there might be stress. This is not a guarantee to bring you a stormless life, but it definitely is going to make you stormproof. It's definitely going to be able to get you to that place where you can manage those situations well and still live in significance and still live in fulfillment that God has created for you. When you find yourself jealous of somebody else, it's because you don't understand your own purpose well enough yet. To love it, to see why God has created you this way, to see what benefit it adds you. Get out of comparison and jealousy. Get into discovering that thing that he has called you to do, that mission that he has laid upon your heart to accomplish. And you will find such fulfillment, such joy in doing that which you are, that it won't matter if other people prosper. In fact, other people will prosper and you will go, good job, glad for you. I'm busy doing something significant. It won't affect you internally. Third frustration, the frustration of depression. Proverbs 17, 22. A good heart is good medicine. A joyful heart. Sorry, joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A crushed spirit, you cannot continue too long before a crushed spirit just makes you die on the inside. And it just causes you to exist. Let me tell you, God did not call, call us to just survive and exist. God called us to thrive and to live. And to love serving his mission no matter where we are working and what, no matter what season of life we are in. The last frustration I believe that is so frustrating is just stagnation. You're just feeling my life is not getting anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's not accomplishing anything. And it's a clear sign that you are definitely not walking in that purpose that God has called you to walk in. When we walk in our purpose and when, we, when, when our work becomes a place where our purpose are fulfilled and where we can live in this, this good works that God has created for us to walk in, we never stagnate because you always have motivation. You always have significance and you feel, uh, you feel value in what you bring. And that makes you become alive on the inside. That's what God wants for every one of us in our workplaces. The last one I want to talk about is, is work in the topic of work as mission is that work is a proclamation of Christ. Our work is a proclamation of Christ. So first off, Jesus was always working. He's always saying, I'm doing what I see my father doing. Like I'm about my father's business. He was always working. He was saying, God is working, so I'm working. Jesus had work and he worked for the lot of his life. He worked as a businessman. Um, and then for, a, for the last little bit of his life, he worked as a minister. But he was always working. He was never idle. Um, and, and so us taking that, that call to work and walking our purpose is us following Christ, is us mimicking his lifestyle on earth, right? But it's also a place for us to be able to share the message of our lives being transformed by his grace. So this is the part where we get to normally first. 
being a Christian at work. <laughs> I hope that y'all saw that there's so much more about work in the Bible than just being a Christian at work. That the biblical view of work encompasses all of life, not just my testifying or my trying to influence people spiritually at work. But it is also a place where I declare Jesus to people. The Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, right? All the world includes our workplaces. He did not say go to all the religious places, go to all the temples, go to all the shrines, all the world, and preach the gospel to all creation. So Jesus was really serious about this thing of his testimony and his word, his gospel, reaching our workplaces. And if you think about it, where else do we really have contact with non-believers these days, right? <laughs> Our workplaces is the places where we most frequently have contact with non-believers. And after work, we all go into our little, you know, our little safe spaces. And nobody likes these days for you to bother them in their safe space, right? Now, they don't like you bothering their work either. But at least you don't have to go and knock on a door <laughs> after hours you get to visit with somebody nine to five, and as long as your work is done, the way you are at work serves as a testimony of your faith. Our work life is a proclamation of the gospel. It's a proclamation of our faith in Jesus if, if it represents the biblical view of work. So let me just say it like this, that if your work ethic is so bad that nobody at work likes you. Now that's going to be a problem for your testimony, right? Listen to what Ephesians 4, sorry, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 to 12 says this. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Mind your business and to work with your hands, just as we told you. So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. And so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Paul talks about two things here. Your work is supposed to provide for you. In another place he says, those who don't work shan't eat. He's very serious about this. We ought to work for our food. We ought to work for our sustenance. And work definitely will make you not be dependent on anybody. That's a good thing. The second thing is, though, that we will win the respect of outsiders. Why respect? I think it is because, you know, when people know that you're a Christian, they watch you. They watch you. You're the only gospel that they may be reading their whole lives. You're the letter, Paul says, of commendation. You're the letter that they read. Paul wrote many letters to the church, but you are the letter to your workplace. You are the gospel that they read, and they read it when they're at work with you. They read it when they see you act under pressure. They read it when, you see, when they see you act under, you know, maybe, you know, uh, people attacking you personally. They read you when it's going tough in the company. They read you. So the question is, what are they reading if they're reading us? They're watching how we relate to people, those who are under us, those who are above us. They watch how we relate to our peers in, 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 in the workplace. They see how we treat those who are nice to us. They also see how we treat those who are... 
If you are gossiping about another co-worker to another co-worker, please don't bring Jesus into the next conversation. There is a fundamental problem with that, y'all. <laughs> Our work is a proclamation of Jesus Christ. And here's why. Because people care more about what you say when they respect what you do. People care more about what you say when they respect what you do. Your character matters. Your character gives wings to the gospel or it cuts it off at the knees. If the one minute you're bad-mouthing your boss and the next minute you're trying to tell somebody to pray for their problems, that's just a non-starter. Like, well, that didn't work for you. You had to out your boss by me. Our integrity at work matters. And so, first of all, the standard we deliver at work needs to be exceptional. If you want to be telling your boss something about faith, he better not be having a problem with you every day about what you produce at work. If your colleagues, if you want to tell your colleagues about your faith in Jesus Christ, you better be the one welcoming them to work, not the other way around, them waiting for you every day to come and waiting on you every day to get stuff started because you are always like, Guys, there's something about the way we are at work that proclaims to people that we serve an almighty, powerful God that loves us and that helps us actually. The world is pragmatic. They want to know, does it work? They want to know, does it work? And if it clearly is not working for you, why the heck should they get into it? And we have to be aware of that. People read us. And so let's take that upon ourselves to really be a good gospel that people read through the product that we produce at work, through the standard we live by, through the character we display, through the integrity that we walk in. Because as we do that, we are actually, <laughs> we become good news to them before we try to share good news with them. If they see you as a benefit to have you there, what you start saying matters to them. I want to show you a picture of something that just happened in our, all of our South African lives. This is a picture of the South African rugby captain. Um, his name is Sia Kulisi. And we just won the Rugby World Cup, y'all. We're now the number one rugby nation in the world. And this is our captain. Sia is, um, is a dedicated, born-again Christian loves Jesus, loves the Holy Spirit. His testimony has gone viral in our country. He represents Jesus on his arm for in, at every match that he plays. What's so significant about Sia is that the way he's walked as captain, the humility he has walked with, the love he's shown to no matter who you are, people from all ethnicities and all class cultures, etc., social class, etc., has won him such respect in our nation that his words now matter to the point where in the aftermatch and things, interviews and the, kind of like the, the championship tour that they did, there was one place where they were all speaking and addressing a massive crowd of people. And Sia was standing at the podium addressing the people and talking about the diversity of our rugby team. The fact that we have people from all 
ethnicities in our rugby team. And everybody there is valued and everybody is respected for the job that they did during this campaign. And it's just, it's a representation of the original dream that we as a country had where our country will be a place where every people, all people are welcome and they can thrive. Nobody is going to be discriminated against for any reason and everybody will have an opportunity to make something for themselves in that country. And we've seen that happen in our, in our rugby team because they came together with this diverse group of people that had to fight through many, many, many challenges regarding the makeup of the team, et cetera, you know, critics, et cetera, et cetera. But they stayed unified, they stayed humbled, and they believed in one another. And eventually they went, went on and they won the World Cup right now. So Sia is standing there, and this is a man of integrity, this is a man of character, and they've put in all the work necessary to bring that cup home, and he's on the biggest stage in our country speaking and behind him are like just a, a group of people, leaders from all walks, you know, of government and leadership, et cetera, sitting behind him, one of which is our country's president, who has come under real criticism for not following that dream of discriminating against certain groups of people and not following, you know, the plan of really uh, advancing our country, but more or less just advancing his own political party. And, you know, just inside trading and corruption and everything's just rife, just crazy right now in our country, right? And Sia is standing, and at one point he turns around and he says to Mr. He's talking about we being stronger together, that there's strength in our diversity. That is what has brought us together, and that is what's creating all this hope and this, you know, this positivity, and he turns around to our country and says, hey, Mr. President, you ought to try this in your cabinet. <laughs> he says to him, this is the way we win as South Africa. He says these words, if we come together like this, nothing will be impossible for us. And you know the weight of that man's words in our country right now? People want to make him president. They do. Not that he's going to go for that because he's a sports guy, right? But that is, the, that is the respect, and that's why his words matter that much. Guys, there is a place for us to live in such a way that our words start mattering more than the other guy because they've seen us, they've read us, and they've found us to be valuable contributors, excellent standards, etc. So I want to encourage you with this thought. Is your behavior on the job inviting enough curiosity from non-believers? Are people looking at you and wondering, how the heck does he do that? How does he manage to be this positive, this hopeful? How do they manage to be this faithful, this loyal? How do they manage to not respond in the way that everybody else responds when they're talked down? How do they manage to be so different? than everybody else. Is your life inviting enough curiosity so that this will be true for you? First Peter 3, verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. That's why. So that people will ask you. And when people ask you, you have an opportunity to share the good news with them. That's why we want to show up at work like people who are more excellent, more proud of what we do in worship and, and offering to the Lord because it actually opens up opportunity for us to speak 
of our lives of what the Lord has done for us. And, you know, sometimes we get those opportunities and we fake humility our way out of it, going, oh, you know, it's just lucky. Oh, it's just the luck of the draw or whatever. You know, that's not humble. That's actually fake humble. Real humility is in that moment saying, you know what, this would not have been possible had it not been for my faith in Jesus Christ. My faith keeps me sane. My faith keeps me strong. In the midst of adversity, I can stand because I have a God inside of me who is greater than he is in the world. That's true humility. I pray that we as a people will be able to make those statements when we get these opportunities to talk to people about the reason that we are who we are, that we are how we are. Amen. Let's all stand together and pray for that. I want you to just in quiet contemplation before the Lord right now, just consider where you're at with regards to this. Some of you might need to ask God to show you your purpose, to start show you the things that He has placed inside of you that is meant to be a benefit to others. I often say that you're not walking in your purpose until others are benefiting from your presence. What would you like people to benefit from you? Like what is people not going to get unless you are in the room? All those things are clues. And I pray that God starts showing you those things, that you will connect those things to your work. And then I want to ask you if you are willing to commit to live your life at work in such a way that it creates curiosity in the people around you. I want you to commit that to God today and promise Him that if He gives you an opportunity to explain yourself, that you will be humble enough to just say, it's because of my faith. It's because of the God living on the inside of me. I could not do that without Him. If you're interested in knowing more, I would love to have a conversation about you, about that with you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will prompt each of our hearts, God, no matter how old we are. Like how, how are you managing as a kid all the things that you're going through? Well, my life might be rough right now, but Jesus is living on the inside of my heart. Jesus is giving me hope that my life won't stay as chaotic as it is. My, wife, my life will end up well that He's going to help me turn it around as I stay faithful to my purpose and, and serving Him, that I will be able to create a different life because I'm going to build it on the foundation of His Word, His truths, His principles that work in this life way better than what men propose. I'm going to live out my purpose so that His plans will be accomplished through my work, through my study. And as I'm doing that, I'm trusting Him that the dream that He has placed in my heart will be fulfilled. Your dreams are locked up in your purpose. And that's locked up in a relationship with God. If you want to access that, the first way to do it is to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So right now where you are, if you want to say, God, I need to come back into a relationship with you. Just make that known to him. He needs to know that you're willing to start walking with him again. 
so that he can start showing you all those things that he's made you for. Heavenly Father, you see every heart. You know where we're at, God. I pray that we will walk out of this place knowing that we've connected with you, knowing that you're going to guide and lead us forward. It's more important that you make a decision on the inside of your heart now than anything else. I'm going to walk this out with Jesus. Make that decision today. Tell him in your own words, Jesus, I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to learn from you and I'm going to follow you. That decision is more powerful than any other thing. God, we honor you. We thank you for the work you do here through your word and your spirit. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.